A quick content notice before we get started. This episode's reading contains descriptions of violence and gore, so if you'd like to skip those, just jump ahead 12 minutes from the start of the reading. Also, this episode contains some strong language. Listener discretion is advised. Listeners, today I'm extremely excited to reintroduce Merck Fenn Wolfmore, who is returning to the show once again to talk about their new book. Merck, welcome Merck, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, great pleasure to be back. Uh, very exciting. It's so like it was such a pleasure to have you on the first time, and I was like, it's, this is definitely going to happen again. Uh, I don't know, like, under what circumstances, and then right. I started doing these book tours, and it was just like, oh, new book from Merck? New chance to have Merck on the show. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm very excited to be back, because I I'm love listening very to excited show. to have you. Uh, you are one of, vocally one of the biggest fans of the show, I know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's just awesome to have you on as a creator, content producer, uh, social media influencer. (laughs) Uh, And most importantly right now, the author of The Wolf Among the Wild Hunt. Yes, uh, very exciting. It's my new, uh, well, I guess technically first uh, published novella. Um, It's a dark fantasy. And uh, with definite horror elements, but I think the biggest pitch I can give for it, it has multiple ace and arrow main characters, along with kick-ass non-binary characters. And We just, love to see it. Yes. Queer norm world all around. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a queer norm podcast, yes. so it makes sense. <laughs> <It's> perfect. <laughs> Uh, and you're going to be reading an excerpt out of this. Is there anything we need to know? Let's see. So I was going to read probably the first chapter. Um, Perfect. And some content notes. This does contain quite a bit of violence, score, and I think that's about the only thing in the opening chapter. But Great. Chapter 1. The Sisters of the Just and Forgotten. The pre-dawn wind carried the scent of slaughter before smoke. Skythulf slowed his pace, tilting his head as he inhaled deeper. The sleeting rains had faded hours past, though the road was still mud-slicked and rutted. The air was chilled, for this night was the last of winter on the cusp of spring. He stepped to the side of the road, the heavy, wet pine branches grazing his shoulder. The soldiers, riding in file, did not slow, nor did the horses react. The hooded lanterns carried at the front and rear of the line cast melted shadows against the trees, the light scarcely breaking the heavy darkness laid over the land. Skythulf frowned. His nose was sharp, wolf-keened even when human-shaped, but he did not trust that this was not an errant dream nipping at his brain. 
He settled his hand on his sword pommel and shut his eyes. There, unmistakable now. Burned wood, charred flesh, the ghostly tang of blood. He snapped his gaze sideways where the wind sloughed from between the trees. One of the horses tossed its head and snorted. What is it? Brennus called from the head of the company. Death, Skythulf said. A high, grief-wrecked cry followed the breeze. Skythulf sprinted into the trees, reckless of the low branches and knobbled roots. The riders would need to arc around the grove. He rarely rode horseback, preferring his own limbs, even when the steeds would bear him without skittering. Sky, Brennus shouted. He ducked between the thick trunks, yearning to drop to all fours and speed his steps. The scream had been human. There were small hamlets strung like beads along the tract of land. The side of the road that Brennus's company rode was meant for carts and pilgrims. Three miles south it would connect with the wider paved high roads. The smoke grew stronger, rancid, and so too did the air thicken with death. He could never mistake that pungent, bone-raw scent that clung to the back of his throat. He shifted his head to better judge his senses. The change from man to wolf turned his muzzles sharp and his ears pricked, fur replacing hair and beard. He kept the rest of his body man-shaped, still clad in his leathers and under-tunic. Now his teeth were sharpened and his eyes were keener. The reaper-hound magic, his scythe-wolf nature, had always been a breath below his blood. He sprinted from the trees into the smoldering ruins of a human village. The late winter sleet had near guttered the fires, but embers glowed in ashen wooden frames and thick, sooty flakes drifted in the air. Black-jacketed figures in white masks, humans by smell, stalked through the ruins. The one nearest him wiped a mace free of gore and clumps of hair. A dead woman, elderly and frail, lay with a crushed skull in the mud. One arm was outflung towards the trees in supplication. Skythoff snarled. His words were blunted when he was wolf-headed, but he had learned to make himself understood. What means this? The mace-wielder spun and cursed. Her poise was confident, a soldier's bearing, as was her handling of her weapon. She wore no insignia. The white wooden mask, leering with a jester's grin, was splattered with blood along the brow and cheek. He drew his sword, circling away from the shadows of the tree line. Like all Brennus's company, he wore an embroidered patch on his left shoulder, the seagull pinned to the worn leathers. The sign was that of the cold lady, a white rose, half-bloomed, inside a circlet of twisted nails. Unlike his companions, he boasted no armor, just a thick woolen jerkin and fitted leather breeks, leather boots, and a heavy sword belt. The woman raised her mace and charged him. Monster! Skythof mm. threw his head back and let out a sharp howl, the notes Brennus would find him by. He dodged the first swing of the mace. The other masked attackers were spreading out, but moving towards the road. Did they hear the horses? Brennus's company had been sent into the strangled forest, a narrow ribbon of cursed land that lanced through the olden woods that spilled down from the mountains, on orders to quell brigands haunting the trade roads. Only Brennus carried a squirrel canister with official writs. They'd found no outlaws, only displaced peasants, squatters, and ragged travelers. No armed bandits. Until now. He parried the mace-wielder's second blow. The shock echoed through his wrists and into his shoulders. The woman was strong. She moved with efficient, predatory intent. A soldier deserted from the hedge wars, he guessed. He would kill her, or she would kill him. The death-hungry energy rushed through his veins. She sidestepped, 
fented and swung for his legs. He leapt aside. She was fast. His nostrils flared in excitement. In a circle they danced. Brennus's horn sounded, a melancholy note that pierced the distance. Skythalf answered with another howl, leading them to his location. He didn't see the shallow ditch or the bodies piled there. His heel caught. He staggered. The warrior's mace whistled, the heavy steel head smashing against his sword. The blade broke with a keening twang. He yelped, pieces of metal zinging past his eye. The warrior charged forward and slammed her shoulder into his breastbone. He fell backwards and landed hard, his arm half numb from the shock, his breath savaged by the rocks under his spine. She kicked him in the side of the head, the iron toe splitting skin across his brow, and pain danced fire sparks in his vision. She'd barely missed his eye. Dizzy, he rolled to his side. Her boot crunched down on his sword arm, snapping bones. The splintering pain fixed him in the moment, and he snarled. Like in the pits, his wolf nature reared foremost in his mind. Bodily agony fell away. His gaze sharpened at each detail of the firelight's battered ground leapt into crisp, unflinching detail. She straddled him, feet planted on either side of his ribs. Behind her laughing war mask, her eyes were fevered. She raised the mace over her head, ready to bash his skull. He curled his legs and kicked. His boots slammed into her midriff just above the pelvis. She staggered backwards. He used his own momentum and surged up, tackling her as she fought for balance. She landed hard underneath him. He left his broken sword in the mud, unneeded. He clamped his jaws around her exposed throat and ripped it out. Blood spurted across his muzzle and down his gullet. He crouched atop the body until the spasm stilled and the drum of her heart went silent. His flanks heaved, droplets of her viscera dripping down his chin. Beast instinct told him to feast, extend claws from his hands and rip open her robes, dig teeth into warm organ meat, swallow the hot, sweet guts to strengthen his own life. He fought down the urge. No, he was not in the pits. He was not a starving animal. He shook his head, half shutting his eyes. Remember who you are. The words of his parents, a promise he wished to keep. He pushed down his baser wants and breathed. His blood cooled, his hackles flattened, as the bloodless diminished. Skythelf gently pushed the mask aside to reveal the woman's face. He stiffened. She bore a tattoo across her chin and up her face. Thin, osier lines, artistically rendered into a jeweler's hammer, traced from her lower jawbone up her temple. She was a sister of the just and forgotten. Skythelf jerked back on his heels, his breath faster now from shock and confusion. His broken arm ached and the cut along his brow stung in the burnt air. What chaos had been wrought here? The sisters of the just and forgotten were warrior nuns sworn to protect the faithful, and they only marched when heresy was detected. He shifted his face back into man shape, and fresh blood from his scalp soddened his hair and drizzled down the side of his jaw. His lips still tasted of her death. A shout roused him. Wolf and freed! and he turned, still kneeling over the warrior's body. Knight champion Brennus Farron cantered across the field on their rowan. Lamplight glanced off their armor, gilding them in bronze in the near dawn. The warhorse snorted, plumes of breath fogging the air. Relief sheared through Skyfall's dismay. Brennus would know the truth. They were his advocate as much as his friend, and he trusted them to judge clear-eyed what he had done. Four of the company rushed towards him. He didn't see the other masked nuns, and he had no focus to spare. Brennus's right-hand officer, a brawny, red-headed woman named Francisca, 
who had no love of him, leveled her drawn sword at his neck. You fool, she said. The sisters were investigating the slaughter. Skythoff stared at Francisca, baffled. He was not dream-addled. The nun he'd killed had murdered an old woman. He'd heard her scream. The blood from the dead had been on the mace before the sister attacked him. He had done wrong by killing the nun, yet it was not from malice. He hadn't seen her face. Hold, Francisca, Brennus commanded. Sheath your blade. He will come peacefully with me. Mar, Francisca said, using the ungendered honorific. She kept the tip of her sword a kiss from Skythulf's throat. The other three soldiers looked between Francisca and Skythulf in uneasy silence, hands on the sword hilts, yet none had drawn still. He killed a sister. I, Brennus said, their tone implacable. Unknowingly, t'would seem. I will take him back with us to Kaer Rimeshield for trial. Francisca growled. Marfarin, his sword is broken and his mouth is red. This is no accident. Skythof wiped his muddied sleeve across his mouth, ashamed he had not cleaned himself immediately. He knew better, knew not to betray his heritage by letting others whom he did not trust see his wolfish traits. He kept his teeth clenched. It was not his place to offer excuses when the death laid at his feet was plain enough. He's my vow, brother, Brenna said, a vicious edge to their voice. I will see he yields to justice. Sheath your blade, soldier. I, Mar, Francisca said. She scabbarded her blade with evident reluctance. The other three soldiers relaxed. One of the older veterans shook his head as he gazed over the slaughtered village. Brenna snapped out curt orders. Eight of the company would remain and search for wounded, then begin gathering the dead. Once Brennus returned to Kaer Rimeshield, they would send a priest and the grave diggers, as well as soldiers to secure the roads and ensure no additional violence. There was no mention of what had become of the other sisters. As Brennus directed their people, Skythulf bent to collect the shards of his sword. He dropped the pieces into the scabbard. It was clear to any who looked upon the sister that she had not died by his blade. Brennus shook the reins and tilted their head westward. At my side, Wolfenfried. We are not needed here yet. The sister, Mar? Francisca asked, having folding the nun's arms in respect over the dead woman's belly. Guard her, Brennus said. I will send aid. Brennus wheeled the rowan about, then looked down at Skythulf. We will unravel this tragedy at the keep. He fell into step at their heel, cradling his broken arm against his chest, the taste of the nun's blood still sharp between his teeth. And that is the end of the first chapter. <laughs> Woof. Oh. That, uh... I love that. Oh, thanks. That is awesome. And... I love that it has... It has that feel of grimdark without being grim, which I guess is what dark fantasy is. Mm -hmm. But, like... Well, I'm glad. it 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 is never, like, even from this this opening chapter I never got the sense of like oh yeah the world is shit like right bad things happen to everybody and what can you do it was like oh this is like there is there is order there is law there is reason and like there is still light in the world yes yeah that was very important uh when I was writing uh to make sure that yes the world may be it's dark fantasy, so, you know, there's darkness. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, it's not, like, a nihilistic, 
grim, dark, everything is hopeless type of world, which just doesn't do it for me anymore. I've got reality yeah, no. to contend with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which is like maybe for an, an uh, somebody who's not familiar with the genres, it's a little weird to say that when we think about like, you know, one of the things that I think we both talk about a, whole, a fair bit online is like the horror media that we enjoy mm -hmm. and like somebody who's not versed in horror might think like oh yeah it's just like bad things happening to people all the time for no reason but like though like good horror is about a thing yeah yeah and i think i i think i've chatted with this with people before but yeah horror i think um i i know there's a quote somewhere about like um hope is a necessity in horror Mm -hmm. I, I don't remember who said it, but that's essentially it. Yeah, if you're if it's just bad things constantly all the time, that it's just a grind. It's not really, it just wears yeah. you down too much, so you don't care. So like, there's no real fear involved. Whereas if you hope you're hoping for the characters to get out of this, or you're rooting for them, then you have the a more of an emotional investment, and it's like the impact of what happens actually affects you instead of just being, eh, you know, same old, same mm -hmm. old type thing as you might expect. Yeah. Um, so one of the uh, things that I'd love to know about this book is, is there any favorite bits that you have that you had to leave out of the end draft? Because, like, I just, I just finished revising a novella and, like, mm -hmm. I dropped so much stuff <laughs> in the last couple of drafts. Right. Uh, word counts. Why must I? <laughs> word limits. Um, yeah, so there is, in a couple scenes, there are sort of flashbacks between Skythulf and Brennus where they're, how they how they became friends and like they're bonding and they, one of the elements in there is that Brennus loves uh, romance novels and epic mm, fantasy, mm -hmm. essentially, um, in this world. And so they share that with Skythulf, who's never really had storytelling in his life before he meets them. So mm -hmm. he gets really into it because of what they share. And so then at one point, he kind of tells them one of the few stories that he knows, which is a creation myth of how, like, his kind kind of came into being. And in the mm -hmm. original, uh, or like the first draft, I had a, like, a 3,000 <laughs> 3, word, um, very dramatized um scene which was more of like a like a scene from the book instead of being uh mm -hmm. like a spoken narrative and i really enjoyed that but uh in the end it didn't really fit with the pacing and it kind of took up too much space so i ended up mm -hmm. retelling and condensing it into like a, just a couple hundred words that summarize the story that he was telling them yeah yeah really get to get to the meat of what you need to yep, communicate. Yep, it was like the very central points that the story had that he wanted to share and then but I hope eventually like I'll have a, you know, a behind the scenes or an extra so I can share the the full the full mm -hmm. creation myth cuz I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that is like it's so much fun. That's one of the things I love about writing just in mm -hmm. general is like, oh, we get to like you know, maybe we don't get to put it in the book, but we still but write like, it. We we have all this lore. Yeah, yeah. I like when stories have stories within stories. Kind of like you get to see the lore and the 
and the stories that this world has. It's one of my mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of favorite things is like when in video games, if they have like in world posters from movies or something, like when mm-hmm. I was playing uh, Deus Ex, uh, Mankind Divided, they had, you know, these posters for noir and different, like, cyberpunk movies, and I was like, oh, man, I would love to, (laughs) I would love to see those, how they play out in this world, you know, with, um, so that's, that's, like, a thing I love to see in fiction. That's one of the things I really miss about, like, the old days of games coming on physical media, is, like, you get the box, and then the manual would have lore in it. (laughs) Yeah. So like it fun. would, you know, it would it would also have like here's how you play the game, like press A to swing sword or whatever. But like it's also like, you know, I I feel like there's so much flavor that you just don't get anymore. Mm-hmm. Like even even if you do buy games on physical media now, like they don't come with anything in the box. Right, it's like, just the disc, and yeah, yeah, it's like. It, and and the cases still have the like little clips in them, so mm-hmm. you could put something oh, right? in there. <laughs> yeah, that's why I really enjoy like the art of type books where they can show mm-hmm. you all the behind the scenes and the artwork, and those are really cool. Yeah. Oh, video games. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They're very good and legitimate art. Don't add us. Yes. Uh. So. Now that we know one of the things that you had to take out of the book, what is your favorite thing from this release? Um, well, I think in general, I've been absolutely delighted with the response from readers who are like, yes, Ace Arrow characters, like, being Mm -hmm. friends, and, you know, so that's been, like, super validating, super exciting, um, and then I honestly... I gotta say that the illustrations that Andrew Garrett did for the interior of the yeah. book are stunning. Like, I would say buy the book just to see his <laughs> illustrations because they are just absolutely gorgeous and just really captured the different moments so mm-hmm. well. And I'm just, I've just been like, I want to eventually have them printed and just hang on my wall because they're just so pretty. Heck yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah and I, I did like. I remember on release day, like, seeing so many tweets about, like, hey, we get Ace and Arrow rap in a book. Right. Like, we can we can have, like, queer platonic things in a book. And we can have That's more amazing. than one. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, we, we love to see that sort of rap and, like, you know, that that's... Uh, that's something that I definitely keep in my head when I'm working on mm-hmm. stories is like, you know, does, does everybody here have to be straight? Like, right. <laughs> what What is that adding to the world? It's like, I think we have a, a fair amount of straight characters already. It's like, do we really need him? Is it plot uh-huh. that he's straight? <laughs> have, have you honestly met just a single queer person before? Uh, right. Like, don't they generally travel in packs? <laughs> yes. <laughs> the queers and the neurodivergence. And, I mean, usually there's a big crossover in that Venn diagram. Yep, definitely. Which is awesome. It's so good. We, we do love to see it. Yes, yes, we do. <laughs> so, in addition to The Wolf Among the Wild Hunt, 
available now wherever you buy fine books. Uh, is there anything else that you have coming up that you're really excited to talk about? Uh, yes, I actually have my second short story collection that's coming out in December. It's called Friends for Robots, and like the title implies, it is a collection of stories that feature... It's very much an upbeat, sort of positive collection about androids, robots, cyborgs, um, and even a little bit of fantasy thrown in uh, for flavor. But yeah, it's very... Um, I would say it's a very like feel good type of collection, nice. and yeah. so it'll be out on December twenty first, uh, wherever books are sold. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm very excited about that coming out, and uh, hope people enjoy it. I, I mean, I'm definitely going to enjoy it, and <laughs> I think it'll be a perfect chaser to the Wolf Among the Wild. Yes, hunt to have this darkness, and then happy friendly robots. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, and listeners, again, you can, uh, you can pre-order that right now? Yes, I will get Excellent. you a link. Links will be in the show notes, as always. Uh, in addition to these things that you have out or coming out, is there anything, uh, any media that you've been consuming recently that you're really excited to tell people about? Oh, uh, yeah, so Neon Hemlock's, uh, novella series that, releases i believe every year um has been just absolutely amazing there's so much killing it yeah there's like all these different flavors and styles and it's just so cool to see all these queer and you know diverse voices in the Mm -hmm. novella and you know they're what i love about the novella format is (laughs) it's like a full novel story but it's not super yep. duper long so i can actually focus um but yeah so i would say definitely check out neon hemlock's catalog um i've also just started reading the new Murderbot novel uh network oh, effect nice. oh so much fun love Murderbot. <laughs> oh Murderbot is the best and one then... of my like grand reach goals is to be able to get martha wells on this show I oh that would, that be, would be so much fun Yes. In the meantime, I've had <laughs> uh, I've had Caitlin Starling and Premi Muhammad, both Neon Hemlock novella authors, on the show yes. in the last uh, last couple of years. So I'm, I'm very excited for Premi's new book that uh, haven't gotten to read it yet, but uh, it's on yeah, my my list. Uh, the annual migration of clouds. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, I'm super excited for that as well. It's like I. I just finished uh we have at the time that this airs we will have just finished spooky season although spooky season as we know lives forever in our hearts yes halloween is all days uh but i just finished a reread of uh the graphic novel archival quality that's by uh ivy noel weir who's uh just got a brand new adaptation of The Secret Garden out. Ooh, uh, that sounds fun. So The Secret Garden on 81st Street, I believe, okay. is her new uh, graphic novel that's just come out. And uh, I don't remember who did the art in that one. Archival Quality, she did with uh, Steens, okay. who is just a fantastic artist. And it is... It's about 
ghosts and spooky, scary skeletons, but it's like, it's about mental health and the horrors of, like, medical treatment and Uh, all these things. I'm gonna have to add that to my list. It's so good. It's so, so good. Uh, So, if you want to get spooked, go check those out. (laughs) Yes. And uh, if you want some other things that you can put away in a short amount of time, those Neon Hamlock books, absolutely Mm, recommend. Uh, and I also am waiting to get to Network Effect. Yes. But Go murder need bot. that murder bot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, another, I just thought of a, another novel, novella, um, like, duology so far is Nino Cipri's Finna and De- oh, Defect. Yes. I just finished Defect, and oh my god, it was so much fun. Just, I loved so all good. the characters. So, so good. And, yeah, like the perfect books for the capitalist hellscape that yes. is 2020 and 2021. Yep. Uh, and especially for Striketober happening right now, like, if you want labor politics in your Definitely books... Definitely check out Nino's work. Yeah. Yeah. Merck, it's been such a pleasure having you back on the show. Uh, before we go, where can our listeners find you? Uh, I am probably most active on Twitter, and my handle is Merck underscore Wolfmore. Um, I also have a website. It's MerckFenWolfmore.com. You can find all of my fiction that's available listed under the bibliography. And that's probably about it. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. I mean, I can barely keep my website updated. Yeah, like, it's like between Twitter and website, it's like, oh, I can't really handle too much more yeah. right now. <laughs> well, thank you again so, so much for coming on. Well, it's thank you been for having me. A delight. This is always so much fun. Always great to talk to you. Yeah. My favorite thing about doing this show is just being able to get friends on and, like, talk to them, especially in this this you know, two years now of no in-person cons. Right, like, right. Gotta get my science fiction people somehow. Exactly, yeah. It's like, I need the connection. <laughs> yeah. Uh, listeners, stick around in two weeks when my guest will be Nina Niskanen. Awesome. Yeah, such a good episode. I'm so excited for folks to hear it. Tales from the Trunk is mixed and produced in beautiful Oakland, California. Our theme music is Paper Wings by Ryan Boyd. You can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com trunkcast. All patrons of the show now get a sticker and logo button, along with show outtakes and other content that can't be found anywhere else. You can find the show on Twitter at trunkcast, and I tweet at hbbisniacs. If you like the show, consider taking a moment to rate and review us on your preferred podcast platform. And remember, don't self-reject.